Welcome to the ninth episode of the Disney Cruise Line blog podcast. Today, we're going to field listener questions. This was originally going to be last week's podcast, but the Disney Wonder Dry Dock announcement resulted in this episode being pushed a week. There are some notable news items I'd like to bring up before we get into the show. First, the Disney Magic continues to make inaugural calls. It started in May during her eastbound transatlantic cruise with stops in Boston, Massachusetts, Sydney, Nova Scotia, Dublin, Ireland, and Liverpool, England. This week, she added a few more first calls to her list. Newcastle, England, and Invergordon, Loch Ness, Scotland. Last week, Disney Cruise Line updated their website with the sail dates for the 2016 Very Maritime Cruises. The Very Maritime sailings will begin on the Disney Magic in early November, followed a few days later on the Disney Dream. The Disney Wonder will begin her holiday sailings on November 10th, which is the first bookable cruise following her dry dock. And almost a week later, November 19th, the Disney Fantasy will begin her Very Maritime cruises. Check out the show notes for a link to see all the Very Maritime sailings for this year. For longtime readers, you'll know each Monday, we share the latest Florida resident and military rates along with other special offers that Disney may be offering for upcoming cruises. Recently, Disney Cruise Line expanded the rates to add a special rate for Canadian residents for July sailings on the Disney Fantasy. This is not the first time Disney Cruise Line has extended special offers to Canadian residents. However, it's been quite some time. With the summer sailing season underway, Disney Cruise Line is now loading the port adventures for guest sailing on the Disney Magic this fall from New York City, specifically excursions for the day at Port Canaveral. So far, these offerings are mainly focused around options at Walt Disney World, as a park hopper ticket and transportation are included for each passenger with the, f- the cruise fare. In addition, there is a port adventure to Kennedy Space Center. If you're a seasoned Walt Disney World visitor, this may be a great alternative if you've never been. I recently visited the Space Center at the end of last year and had a great time. I barely saw half of what they had to offer. It's really a fun place if you're into that kind of thing. We updated our dining menu page with the Seasons menu that recently debuted on the westbound Panama Canal cruise as well as the eastbound transatlantic cruise. Surprisingly, the biggest story over the last couple weeks was not the Disney Wonder Dry Dock. It was Disney Cruise Line's rollout of online pre-booking for onboard character meet-and-greet experiences. Similar to booking things like port adventures or adult dining, you can now secure the free tickets for meet-and-greets like the Princess Gathering, Frozen Meet and Greet, and Character Breakfast, if offered during your sailing, once your onboard booking window opens. In my opinion, this is a long overdue enhancement to Disney Cruise Line's Planning Center, as it'll definitely make the Embarkation Day experience much smoother and a lot less stressful, knowing that these reservations are secured ahead of time and you don't have to go stand in line. I will note, as of now, these experiences pending availability are still available to reserve once you're on the ship by going to the Port Adventures desk or any other location listed in the navigator on embarkation day. Now, let's get on to listener questions. On this week's podcast, we're going to go over some listener questions we've received in the comments, and then we'll move on to some Twitter questions. Our first 
question surrounds excursions. It's not necessarily one specific question, but a few questions that have asked us about our experience with Disney Cruise Line excursions. Uh, I know we've mentioned in our previous podcast that we don't necessarily book that many Disney Cruise Line excursions. However, the ones we have, I guess we'll talk about a little bit here. Okay, so I've listed out the um, Disney Cruise Line excursions that we have booked. And back in 2005, our first cruise, the it was a three-night Bahamanian cruise on the Wonder. And I booked one excursion, which was a glass-bottom boat tour in the Bahamas. Um, I recall thinking that it was like looking through aquarium glass. Um, I remember getting off the boat and being extremely disappointed in that excursion. Scott, what were your thoughts? That's one of those that it was, you know, you're going out to see something, so they cannot guarantee what you'll see. However, on that particular day, there was a storm moving in, so we didn't go out. To, we're supposed to see a shipwreck of sorts. However, that part got cut, so with the storm moving in, the uh, seas were a little rough, so that didn't leave much to see with the uh, underwater currents around the reef that we did go to. I mean, we did get to go down in the hall where they had the glass bottom and look around, but you know, on that particular day, there was not much to see, which pretty much attributed to the weather that was moving in and you know it's kind of one of those things that's out of many people's control so short of canceling the excursion altogether which I believe the second uh, second departure for that excursion was canceled that day so we just had an abbreviated one so I wouldn't you know, I wouldn't necessarily write it off as being bad. It's just that we, our day was impacted by the weather. Right. I, yeah, definitely. Something that at Disney can't control. But um, that was the only, that's the only Bahamanian excursion that we've ever booked. So um, I'm sure I know a lot has changed in 11 years, but, you know. I mean, that's that's just for us. Typically in NASA, we stay on the ship, or I'll get up and go on the island and go to Starbucks in the morning. Right. Use their internet for a while and then come back to the ship. We would like to uh, go on the uh, in Atlantis to the water park, but that'll happen at some point. It's that's not going anywhere. So, and one day I plan to climb up to the fort. Right. But again, not Disney excursions, so that's, you know, not us. In in our myriad of cruises, we have only booked seven Disney cruise excursions. So, okay. So, our first seven-night cruise that we went on was in 2011. We took a western and we booked two excursions through Disney. Um, the first one we did in Cozumel was the Eco Park and Snorkel. And we learned our lesson, but not fully, that when Disney tells you that you're going to board a bus 
um, and you're going to take a 45-minute scenic journey to point A and then a 90-minute journey to point B, et cetera. Um, the excursion was fine with what we got to see. Isabel was too young to snorkel yet at that point. I was only three. Right. I mean, four. You were, you were little. So Scott went out and did that part, but it took us to... Um, some ruins. It took us to, uh, what else did we see on that, Scott? We went to see some sort lighthouse. of old lighthouse. And then we went to a beach. And it was just, it was a lot of traveling in between. And it wasn't bad. We didn't get to see bad things, but it was a lot. Isabel? I do not remember any of this. <laughs> you don't remember the open air little, uh, like open air vehicle, we, the open air bus nope. that we took? I don't remember any of it. I was only four. Climbing up to the, that was climbing up the top five of, years ago. But climbed up to the top of the uh, lighthouse. Nope. I barely fit through the door. Oh, I get. Oh, yeah. And then the other side of the lighthouse was cut off. Yeah, because it wasn't a full lighthouse circle. It was half lighthouse and the other. I walked around and then it was like a pitch drop. Drop. And I was like, oh, no, I'm not going. I remember that now. That was, we did get to go to a lot of places that day. We did. And the snorkeling was a little bit impacted by, I think, some rain that was moving in, but we still, our guide did take me out to, I think I was the only one that ended up snorkeling in that entire group. I went out with the guide by ourselves, just the two of us, we went out to a little reef off the beach. It was a nice, nice reef, nice reef good some decent snorkeling but you know it was just a lot of it was a lot in one excursion so yeah a lot of travel go, in between places if you're looking for something that you know touches on a lot of different things in one day that's a pretty decent option but if you're looking for more go and enjoy kind of one thing like say the beach or snorkeling look something that's more specific like that. So also on this cruise, we did the Grand Cayman Island tour, um, which, although we were on one of those little, you know, vans that takes a group of people. It was a, it was a good tour. You did get to see some sites. You went to the turtle farm and um, the aquarium. Where Did we go to an aquarium? Gosh, uh, no, we bad. didn't. I can't we even didn't. remember. Uh, we went to we hell. Didn't. They take you to hell. Um, which isn't that exciting other otherwise than saying you've been to hell yeah they they take you to a beach but they don't it's just to kind of get out and look at the sand and we, we didn't even the get beach, off the bus there's a beach that's essentially just down from the uh, pier where you tender to and so I mean our guide pitched it as here go, to, go out and take some pictures of your ship it wasn't that particular excursion, it wasn't a beach time excursion where you had time to go swimming. It was more, we're just going to pull off here on the beach and it'll offer some, it'll offer you a photo op. The, uh, this was a very family friendly, family oriented excursion. There was a lot of people with little kids. Um, Isabel, again, we thought was too young to take to Stingray City, which we would like to do at some point. But when we were done, we did go to Margaritaville afterwards. 
and stopped for lunch. That was our first visit there, and that became kind of a family favorite every time we took a Western cruise. You can cruise. almost spend the day there with the water slide and the pool and the open, you know, the bar and food. Which we and, did in the future. Yeah. I think and they for, have internet. For that trip, you ordered a burger, and I got conch fritters and drinks, and it was a fun little, fun little, fun little stop right where you tender. So another time we went, the plate of nachos was gigantic. Right. But if you're not familiar, the Margaritaville that you can essentially see from the ship right on that main road, which I don't recall the name of the road. Up on the second floor, there's a pool and a water slide, and is there a hot tub? Yeah. And there's a hot tub, so as long as you're there, you get some drinks or get some food, or you know, they'll, you're fine to use it. it. Just been it's been one of those things that that's kind of what we end our shore time in Grand Cayman doing is going up there, maybe getting a appetizer and some drinks, and kids will go into the pool and water slide. The one thing I'll note about Margaritaville is that. It is extremely family-friendly. You will see people in lanyards, you know, with their Disney Cruise Line lanyards there. Um, it's not a party atmosphere. Definitely not during the day when we're there. I mean, yeah, we definitely can't speak not. for any other time of night. But. So if you guys kind of notice the, where we head, we're, we're starting to tell you about how we book our Disney Cruise excursions, and then <laughs> it's like one and done. So, you know, next time we go to Grand Cayman, we plan you know, doing Stingray City and things like that. But, you know, we've gotten a taste of the island and then and then that's it. So um, we, they're not very common for us. Um, for our first Eastern, our first cruise we did on the Fantasy in 2012, um, we, the two ports we visited were St. Thomas, St. John, and then St. Martin. We did St. Martin on our own, but we went to St. John out of just kind of doing a little bit of research, looking, it looked like that was the best place to snorkel. At this point, Isabel was not quite old enough to snorkel, but she could swim. Mm -hmm. So this was an excursion that took you over to Trunk Bay Beach, and uh, they gave you a little snorkeling instruction, which Scott did, and Isabel and I were able to swim. So um, Answering for me specifically, this is kind of where I fell in love with St. John. Felt that the 90 minutes that we spent there was just not even remotely nearly enough time. Um, and Isabel and I had a, had a fabulous time on the beach. There's tons of little fish that come up to you even if you're not snorkeling. So it is unsurpassed, untouched beauty. The island is two-thirds national park, and it is gorgeous. So... Um, that we we did we did do that scott your thoughts on st john i mean because you did the snorkel trail while isabel and i were at the beach yeah the snorkel trail is it's a fun there's you got the there's markers that you can kind of follow around out this uh little key that juts out from the land uh you need to be careful if you get a little too close it's pretty sharp rocks up on the, and uh, obviously you can't stand or sit on the coral, but if you're getting close to the rocks and the waves are going, you kind of stay away from that, but there's a lot to see. Uh, it wasn't, one time when we were there, just St. John on the island, we were there for one afternoon, and uh, we were swimming around with a sea turtle. That was 
just right there too. So there's a lot to see, a lot of poss a lot of sea life to see <laughs> in that little kind of man-made snorkel trail. I mean, it's man-made that it's they have the little placards on the ground that kind of guide you through a path. However, it's you know natural reef. It is you know protected and you have. There are lifeguards on the beach that are yelling at people anytime it appears they're standing on the coral or doing anything they shouldn't be doing. So they do try to protect it. Uh, and we can certainly do another podcast on just St. John because we, we definitely have a lot that we can go into because we you know, went back and spent some time there. And we can focus on just the things that you can get to on your cruise. Um, in fact, we're going back there soon. Um, but definitely so far is my number one favorite port in, in all of the Caribbean that we've been to. Um, we did go to St. Thomas once. We did it on our own. We went to Megan's Bay Beach because that's the popular beach everyone tells you to go to. And I'm a group tour. honestly felt that the whole time I was wishing that I was back over on St. John's. So... Um, for, for me, kind of felt like I was one and done with St. Thomas. I know people love it. That's awesome and great. Um, we did visit St. Thomas after we did this excursion, this Trunk Bay Beach excursion with Disney. We came back and we went down to Charlotte Amali and did some shopping, got some postcards, walked around. You know, downtown area is fine, especially if you love your shopping. St. Thomas is definitely the place to do it. Uh, Scott, Isabel, and I go to the Caribbean to snorkel, not necessarily to shop. So, personal opinion. Isabel, would love to hear your opinion. Granted, you were little during this one, too. But when we went to St. John to stay, when we went to snorkel, it is beautiful. Yes. Lots of cute little fish and the little plaques in the ocean. They tell you about fun facts and stuff. And when we were there, there was a Disney Cruise Line excursion going on, so and they warn you about the fire coral and stuff like that. Right. Yeah, we've we've gone back um, to St. John, and this Isabel is able to. When we talk about St. John, St. Thomas, um, as a po as one podcast, we can kind of talk about how to get over there on your own and and things of that nature. So. The next year, we in 2014, we did the Southern Caribbean, one of the Southern Caribbean cruises, and we booked two through Disney Cruise Line, two excursions through Disney Cruise Line, and the rest we did on our own of the other ports. So we booked a Disney Cruise Line excursion in St. Lucia, and we did one in Barbados. And the reason why we did the one in St. Lucia was because we kind of looked at the key points and the things we wanted to see. Looking back, I wish we would have just gone and snorkeled under the pythons, but Scott and Isabel and I did not want to, at the time, spend every single port in the Southern Caribbean snorkeling. So we wanted to kind of change it up with seeing some of the sites as well. Um, this was one of those Borger air-conditioned bus and I can't even remember the order of the things. We saw a volcano. We went to a sugar mill. Um, we went to a waterfall, you a know, freshwater each waterfall. Each location was pretty cool once you got there. Well, except for...
for the waterfall was a little underwhelming based on what we thought going in without with limited research. Yeah, the volcano was cool. The volcano I... was definitely cool. The uh, sugar mill was neat. Yes. At the waterfall, there are a few adults and children, and one 11, 12-year-old looked like to me, that went under where the water was coming down, and that water was cold. Yes. And that, what well, I was watching that one 11 to 12-year-old, he was like, when he went out, he was like, why did I do that? Any other thoughts about St. Lucia? Isabel, did you like the volcano? Yes, it was very interesting. The volcano was interesting. Was it what you thought it was going to be, though? No. Me neither. I, it definitely wasn't what I thought, although it was still active. Neat. It was neat to see. Mm-hmm. And the, my feeling about the sugar mill is they're on every Caribbean island. Every island. They all make sugar, molasses, rum. So, I mean, again, Scott's right. It's neat, but you've seen one sugar mill. You've pretty much seen them all. So, they do all have their own specific character, but, you know. Anything else that you guys want to mention about St. Lucia? The Pythons were gorgeous. The gift shop at the Sugar Mill had some of the stuff they were making there, so that was cool. Yes. To see I the did, finished product. I did purchase, I did purchase a, f- a few things there, nice things to bring back as gifts, so that's good. And then the other port was Barbados, and in Barbados we did an excursion that took you on one of those, I don't know what they call the powerboat, I think is how they build it. It's like a powerboat, speedboat that can handle about 20, 30 people. They took us out to an area where there were three, or you could swim with turtles, where there were... A couple shipwrecks. Shipwrecks to snorkel, and then the beach. Um, So what did you guys think? Amazing. I mean, if we would have had more time with the shipwrecks and less time on the beach, that would have been a little bit better. Because we did not get to all yeah, there, of the shipwrecks. We, we did not have enough time to explore the shipwrecks. We, uh, this is where I choose um, booking on my own. And as Scott and Isabel and I talked about it, you know, we've, sw- we've swam with sea trolls before. What they do in Barbados is they feed them to bring them to you. But the neat thing about Barbados is all of the shipwrecks that are in pretty shallow water and very close to shore. Um, and I, I felt that, you know, in typical Disney excursion fashion, I felt very cheated um, because they call you in after, I don't know, half an hour, 20 minutes. And, you know, we could have explored those for, you know, a good hour or so. And then they just motor you over not very far, you know, a few hundred feet and then anchor the boat and have you swim off the boat and there's your beach time. So all three of us, Isabel, do you agree that you would have skipped the beach to do more snorkeling? But I have a little bit of time on the beach because it was fun jumping off the Yeah, you liked jumping off the boat. With the other kids that were on there. It was fun. Right, right, right. And some of the kids got to drive the boat. I did. It was fun. Very fun. I mean, again, having having to do it again, I would have would have very easily, you know, went ahead and, and skipped that and more snorkeling. So that's what you get on your Disney Cruise Line excursions. So in 
all of our cruises, those are the only ones that we have booked through Disney. So um, the rest of the, when we do podcasts on just the ports, we can talk about what we've done, what we haven't done. But I mean, technically, we've booked excursions at Castaway Key. It's just, they call them excursions, like the bikes, mm. the not- snorkeling lagoon, parasailing, which is always, always, has been canceled every time we've booked it. We've booked that three times. It's been canceled all three times. Due to high winds. Yeah. Or the winds were too high that exceeded the... I mean, at Castaway Key, the excursions, most of them are more, you know, activities versus sightseeing kind of things. Right. All right, Scott, what's our next question? This is about stateroom upgrade, like upgrading at the port. Oh, yes. Someone asked us about... um, how to do stateroom upgrades. And we have never done this before because we, we are, usually just book the room we want. We, ha- we Yeah, we typically, you know, kind of book the stateroom that we would like. So the way to do this is you need to get to the port before the port opens and be one of the first people in line at the port and then if ask if there are stateroom upgrades available when you go to the check-in. And then they'll send you over to the supervisor's desk. So each cruise, depending on the rooms and the categories they have available, they have a table that they use with the price on it. So um, I'll give you an example. If you booked, say, a category 9A and you were somehow what they, you know, they've been referred to on sites as pixie dust upgrades. So Disney has decided to gift you with a, a veranda. So now... You booked a 9A, but they've given you a 7A. And now you want to upgrade further, maybe to a Category 4 or Concierge. You pay from the upgrade of the category that you booked. So you booked that 9A. They're going to tell you, okay, to book Concierge Category T is this price. It's not what they've given you. So um, that's how you do it. We have never done it before, nor have we inquired about it. Um, There's a couple reasons I don't feel the need for a category four. We're not in our stateroom enough for having that five person room. And, and the same thing with concierge, Scott and I both feel that we would rather go on more cruises frequently versus paying a lot for one cruise. So everyone has their different opinions and what they would do. Um, but I would rather, you know, use the money and go on another cruise versus, you know, concierge, and plus, I'm sure once you cruise concierge, it's kind of hard to go back to a regular stateroom. And we certainly would not want that to happen. So that's how you do the, the stateroom upgrade. We had another question about the uh, different beverage tasting seminars on the ships. What, uh, I guess, what do they entail? Are they, you know, are they worth it? Are they fun? Would you do it again? Uh, well, we've done two of them. Mixology. We did mixology and we did um, champagne tasting. So I'll refresh Scott's memory. Um, we did the mixology. There, they were five mini drinks. They made a martini um, for the first drink, which the one that we had had Chambord and Grand Marnier in it. They did a tequila sunrise. They did a prosecco and a liquor forty-three. They did a triple berry mojito where you muddle the fruit. And then they had the rum. And then we did a layered shot, which was Absolute and Kahlua. And it was 45 minutes for f- with five drinks, and it was 
Scott? Thoughts? Mixology is definitely what you want to book. If you want to try a lot of drinks in a very short period of time that are all liquor-based and higher-proof beverages for a low price. Uh, I mean, it's, it's fun to, you know, if you have a group together, it's a lot more fun when you know more people there because you're, you, you know, in our case, we sat with a couple other people. Like a, we were part of a group of four around a little table that we all had drinks and we kind of shared the mixer or the uh, shakers and like one of us would make the drink at the table in our case one of us would make the drink and then we'd share it with everybody else or sometimes we they give us the bottle and we made all made our individual drinks um definitely try a variety i mean it it's going to vary depending on the bartender that you have running the tasting on our case they were doing trivia questions and if you got the trivia question right you got you received the full-size drink that the bartender made as the example or if you went up and were the assistant for the bartender during it uh, you were given the drink you know that you made so while the during the tasting you're getting or the seminar mixology you're getting like smaller size drinks in this case you're getting a full-size drink is the is uh, an add-on item so Keep that in mind. You might want to be hydrated before you go in or get some food. <laughs> I mean, I thought it was fun, but I don't feel the need to repeat it. That, I mean, that's just my personal opinion. Um, you know, Scott, what, what do you think? I mean, it was fine, but even if they make different drinks, I don't, I, I'm good. It, it's a cheap party. Yeah. And it's a cheap way to have a lot of drinks at once. Uh, if that's what you're looking for. We, d- we did the uh, champagne tasting uh, last summer on the Magic. and I'm using air quotes when yeah, he champagne. says champagne. Because I think we only had maybe one or two true champagnes in the five or six or so. So we did this on our 11-night um, Iceland cruise. The first drink was the Santa Margarita Prosecco. The second was Champagne, which was Bollinger. Um, The third was Chandon, sparkling wine, but that is done in the Champagne method. Um, Still not Champagne. Still not Champagne. And uh, Ross, the sommelier, did a very good job of explaining to you the difference and the size of the bubbles and, you know, how Champagne is only from the Champagne region in France and those kind of things. Um, then the fourth one was one of my favorites, the Moet and Chandon Ice Imperial. Then the fifth one is a crowd favorite, but um, one that I gave away to the person sitting across from me, which was the Rosa Regale. That is a very sweet, you know, rosé-colored sparkling wine. And then the sixth was an a Elder Bubble cocktail. Um, now, this is not the Elder Bubble that you can get in the main dining rooms. Um, there's an Elder Bubble on the menu... Uh, in one of the, I want to say it's like the Royal Court, Royal Palace. It's one of the specialty drinks on the main dining menu. So this one is um, Absolute Raspberry, St. Germain, Elderflower, Liqueur, and Tattinger. I asked Ross to hold the Absolute Raspberry and the St. Germain, 
um, and, and go ahead and just give me the Tattinger straight up. Um, I, I have a hard time, me personally, mixing champagne with anything. If you're going to mix something, mix it with sparkling wine. You know, you pay for the champagne, you want the champagne. But that's personal preference. So the only thing that was new on the list for me was Bollinger. Um, I had not tried Bollinger champagne before, although they do have it in France at Epcot. And Scott, do you have a count? It was half and half, right? Half sparkling wine, half. So one Bollinger, Moet and Chandon, Ice Imperial. So half sparkling wines and, and half Proseccos. Now, this was an expensive tasting. This was $30. Um, this tasting for me, I'm more, Scott is more of a beer drinker. I'm a, a wine and champagne drinker. This was kind of the end of tastings for me. Um, I, you know, love wine. I've done wine tastings. We do a wine tasting once a month. But I just, uh, if you are an amateur drinker that has not had a lot of exposure to different varieties of grapes and wines, and this is for you, um, definitely. But if you know a thing or two, um, then than not so much. So Ross was kind enough to go ahead and give me his sample glass of the Moet and Chandon Ice Imperial because they do pour a glass and put it next to the bottle. Um, and I knew he was just going to pour it out. And because we had already had Ross and Paolo a couple times, we built a rapport with him. And, you know, um, he was kind enough to give that to me. But that was kind of my opinion. Scott, you're not someone who knows that much about I mean, you're getting better with knowledge, but what did you think about champagne tasting for $30 with three sparkling wines and three champagnes? And mind you, it's a tasting, so you're not getting full glasses. They're not filling your flute. I mean, I guess in terms of trying to sample all those, $30 is probably a fair price on the ship for what you're getting. Uh, I wouldn't say it's an overall big deal because they're sampling sizes, but it is... I mean, it's it's a definitely a fair price, I think, for what you're getting. So I wouldn't be turned away based on the price. I just think, I mean, I left thinking, I thought this was a champagne tasting. And it was really a sparkling wine with champagnes tasting. Not, you know what I'm saying? It was, yeah. it was one of those, it sold, I looked at it, it was sold a champagne, a champagne tasting, when in reality it was, some champagne, and a lot more sparklings. Right. And I, I'm not, you know, we're not being negative on Disney Cruise Line excursions and, and tastings. And, you know, this is, this is simply the, the Sanders family opinion. And, you know, obviously we love Disney Cruise Line, but we've just kind of developed our own what we would do again, what we wouldn't do again sort of thing. So the experience was fun. Um, you know, it was definitely a totally different vibe than mixology. Um, the champagne tasting was so, you know, you were, you were not, it was not a party. They were definitely teaching you more. It was less Tom Cruise cocktail and more. Here's how you, you know, pick the difference between this and that. And, um, so, you know, I, I, you know, Ross did a great job, you know, doing the teaching and informational side of the tasting. Not a knock on that. It was more. Agree. So, you know, that's not. And, and those are the only ones that we've done so far. So, 
We've looked at it, we've looked into other ones. It's just not. These are also fun. I think the more people, I mean, for Emily and I just to go, we're we're together all the time, kind of thing. So this it's not like this is something that's. I'm only trying to say. I think it would be a lot more fun like in a larger group of friends together, like a hangout, like hanging right. out and kind of doing it together is a larger group. We we did we you know we make friends talking to people around us so that was that's nice but you know that's i guess that's our that's our shtick on the two tastings we've done so far i mean there's a ton more there's margarita tasting there's tequila tasting cognac tasting i mean there's tastings for chocolate and liqueur tasting i mean there are a ton of them but it's not something that i am gonna rush to book i think in general when it comes to these beverage tastings that they do on the ships if you're like say a a wine connoisseur or you know you're making the craft beers or tequila you know whatever you know the spirit or beverage tasting is if you think if it's something you're passionate about you you might want to inquire beforehand of like what exactly they're serving that, that is an excellent point because the bartenders will tell you, we've sat with several of them, what are the rums that you're tasting at rum tasting? And the bartender will, you know, some of them, if they're being honest with you, will kind of tell you, um, Bacardi, Bacardi. Oh, I mean, you're not, you're not sitting down and getting that, you know, you're in the Southern Caribbean, for example. They've got, they could get Goslings, they could get... You know, get something unique from each island. Each island. Mount Gay Rum in Barbados. I mean, you can get all kinds of stuff. St. Kitts has their own rum, but they they don't. So they have told us, you know, they're very honest with us, you know, about, no, you should stray away from this or, you know, this is something that's pretty cool. So, And again, it's they're set up to cater to a wider mark, I mean, a wider base. So it's, you know, just little bit of thought to go in so you're not necessarily left I won't say disappointed but thinking it's going to be one thing I just remember somebody doing a beer tasting and they're very disappointed and also somebody doing a rum tasting and they were just completely disappointed by the you know lack of variety or unique offerings that they had it's like really I can get this at my grocery store I mean in terms of the beer it was like I could go to the my grocery store and get this beer I mean there wasn't anything unique Right. And I believe the rum, somebody was complaining about the rum. Yeah, that's when I was, was just talking about, yeah. the Bacardi, the, and they were like. You had five different Oof. variations of Bacardi. Or yeah. It wasn't. Nothing aged, nothing, that sort of thing. So, and it may, it, they may have changed, but Scott and I have just kind of, These we wanted all, to do champagne and we've just. You know, I think too, like specific, if you, you look at the champagne tasting, it's going to vary depending on where the ships are too. We've noticed in general, like the availability of beers and wines when the ships in Europe versus when the ships are in the Caribbean kind of thing that they change based on how they get their provisions in port. Right. So it's, and you get a variety in that respect. So. Right. All right, Scott, next one. I've had a couple questions about best kept secrets on board and best values on board. And a lot of the best kept secrets are, I mean, you know, kind of rain, kind of fall into those magical moments, if you will, that if you start talking about 
are they really magical anymore? You can go online, forums, read about these things, but, I mean, unless it's a truly organic situation that happens to you and your, you know, your traveling party, I mean, it's not really worth talking about because once you, I know, you read something on the Internet, you're going to try and manipulate a situation to get a magical moment, if you will. So, you know, those things are out there. I guess the best thing is, you know, if something awesome happens and you're talking to somebody, something cool might happen. Who knows? I don't know. I'm not saying anything specific, but, you know, just as you might be used to in the theme parks or at your theme park resorts, cast members always love talking to people and hearing about your experience on board and what you've done and are always looking for ways to make it even more magical. Well, this is an example of this is one how you used to be able to take something up to guest services and have the characters sign it. And then that went viral. I mean, literally viral. And, you know, it's not allowed anymore. So that is an example of something that was just a small thing that they used to do. And then, you know, because of the Internet and social media that, you know, that perk is not allowed. So I guess I look at best kept secrets or things that are really truly special things that happen that I mean the more you talk about them they're just going to go away and it's not something you know you can necessarily repeat I mean it's truly an organic situation that could happen or a conversation you could have and it you know turns into something else so in terms of best kept secrets I you know I mean I don't know you know, I can talk about thing. I think the best values on board is, you know, something we can really talk, you know, something worth talking about. My number one thing for best value on board is dry cleaning and, you know, laundry service from the ship. I found that it's considerably cheaper to have a tuxedo or a suit dry cleaned on board than it is like at a local dry cleaner. Uh, it's like know, half price or, or less. I mean, shirts are just a few bucks. I mean... About the same. About the same, yeah, but, the same. you know, you, you can really save, I found, and obviously this varies where you live and, you know, how far you shop around for a dry cleaner in your area, but I found, my experience, it's been much cheaper to get those things dry cleaned up once you're on board. So that's my number one value item. And adding to that, um, I do think that the laundry machines, the washer and dryer, are a good value as well. I am a person who, you know, you have two kinds of people, people that don't want to be bothered with doing laundry on vacation. Then you have the other kind of people that maybe have to do laundry while they're on vacation. Um, We have gone both ways, but in a cruise that's longer than four nights, we typically do laundry on vacation so that we bring clean clothes home. And it's easy to unpack um, versus having to come home to a mound of laundry. So to each their own. You know, if you're flying to a port and your luggage space is limited, you it's awesome because you've got luggage you can do on the ship. Um, but if you, you know, we're local for most of our cruises. We drive to Port Canaveral. We certainly don't have any luggage restrictions, but I'm happy. I'm happy to do laundry um, on board. So it's not expensive to run the washer and dryer. So that's 
that goes along kind of with Scott's um, dry cleaning. I think the other good values are the drinks of the day. I mean, in terms of buying a regular specialty drink, the drinks of the day are the way to go. Yeah, you, you certainly get what you pay for, but they're similar to the other ones. Um, you know, they're, it's not listed on your navigator. They have an alcoholic and a non-alcoholic version. I think Isabel's got one or two before. Um, it's not really, you know, she doesn't ever finish something like that. But, um, so we don't typically get those. But drink of the day is a good, definitely a good value. Every once in a while, um, if you're at the pool deck, Sometimes, you know, you'll go to make an order and the bartender will tell you it's two for one. That's certainly random. So, you know, you can always ask if there are any specials going on. It's been late in the afternoon, which we're usually not at the pool deck then unless we've come back from port. But, you know, that they usually will offer it to you. And then at Castaway Key, again, not every time. So you can't kind of expect it. But sometimes they do do those two-for-one specials, um, you know, towards the towards the end of the day at the main bar. So um, those would be kind of like drink specials. They also do the Passport and Skyline on the Fantasy where you pay for six martinis and you get seven. So we've not done that before, but that is, you could consider that a value of getting a free drink. And my last thing, because clearly I have it focused around drinking, <laughs> Um, the captain's reception. So on the, if you're on a cruise that has a captain's reception, um, before 5.30 dinner or 5.45 dinner and before second seating, there is a captain's reception where there will be gentlemen walking around with trays of drinks, um, both alcoholic and non-alcoholic. They usually have a wine, a mixed drink, and a beer, um, and those are free. So... Free on Disney Cruise Line, that's not something that is synonymous usually, but um, those are our free options. Also, there is apple juice with some cherries inside. Right, they do a sparkling apple juice for the kids, right? Yeah, or for people that don't drink and want to enjoy that. So, um, yeah, so Emily's best values surround drinking, but there you go. I think another... Uh I guess this could be like a secret or lesser known items. Probably be a better way of saying it is uh, dinner at Cabana's in the evening instead of going to your the main dining room or Remy or Apollo, obviously depending on the ship. But you can go and check your navigator for the times, but it's kind of open seating up at Cabana's where you go and you can get kind of a sampling from the different, you know, rotational menus that night or if it's a specialty menu they'll have you know the options from that we've done that we've gone up there to cabanas twice now for on pirate night and they just offer kind of a selection from the pirate night menu cabanas dinner is not available on the first or last night of your cruise so keep that in mind it's just i guess the the really nice part about it is you know it's open seating so it's kind of like just going to a regular restaurant. You just kind of show up when you want, or, or like when you go to a main dining room on the ship for breakfast or lunch, where you kind of just show up at whatever time you want. You know, you have a server, server that comes over and takes your order and brings it to you. Uh, it's a lot more laid back than 
even the you know main dining rooms at night where it's all very structured and it's paced out this is more you show up you sit down take your order here comes your food and it's great for a situation i think one time we did it you know our uh we we're late in port or we we're in port late one day so we missed the main dining that we had scheduled because we were still on shore so it was great to come back and still have a you know more of a sit down kind of dinner experience as a family since we weren't able to actually go to our main dining time on that particular day or if you're just not into going to main dining that's a, always an option yes Isabel my value is in actually in the kids club okay i spend a lot of time in there <laughs> well you I too a lot of, you don't you don't spend as much as some kids so we're getting with the value here right well it's included sometimes i do this but one time i was just walking past the story time the princess story time and they're like oh we have a special guest and then bell walks out Wow, who would have known? I did not know. That would be more of a secret than a value, but okay, we'll take it. Uh, I think, I don't think every time she does it, maybe she does every time. There's a lot of things that happen in the kids' club that aren't necessarily aver or listed on the schedules. That Some of the time I stay there and princesses comes, come out, after that they have little activities. It's cute. You have to stay for that. You can't just say. And those those things are not typically listed on the schedule. For they don't tell you there's an activity, but after, there's an activity. Cool. And the princesses come out. And kind of along that lines, I would say that we have not ever cruised with an infant. She was three and a half for her first cruise, but I think the nursery is a good value on the ship. Um, the you know hourly rate that you pay is not even remotely close to what you know a, a babysitter for an infant would make on or you know you'd pay for on land so uh i think that that's certainly a, a very good value anything else scott those were pretty much all i had that's pretty much it on the uh questions from our comments that we've kind of pulled together for this one we had other ones that other questions within the comments of the different podcasts we've done so far and more, the, more or less the rest of them require more just full-on podcasts dedicated to that question, subject matter. There was one that um, asked us about saving for your Disney cruise, but that is really a tough one to answer because everyone kind of does that differently. Um, you know, there are people that don't save at all and frankly just charge it or, you know, do whatever they're going to do. There are certainly folks that will get a tax refund or a bonus and use it for that. And then there are other people, you know, that that will save. Um, and it depends kind of how you book your cruise and what your economic status is. I mean, you know, we book on opening day for a lot of cruises like we did for Norway and Iceland. Um, we are for the Nine Night Alaska next year. So we've got plenty of time to kind of to, to pay on those cruises so that by the time we cruise, they're paid for. Um, you know, then there are some that, you know, like this one on the fantasy that we, you know, booked right away. So you have to kind of have different options. 
everybody has their own way of actually saving for a cruise. Um, there's always the buying the gift cards from Target, you know, using your red card, getting that 5% off on your Disney value card. You can certainly save a few dollars here and there by buying the, you know, cards at BJ's or Sam's Club. Um, but that that one is a is a tough question to answer because it's very individual. So that was the only one um, that I noticed. And then I think we were going to take it to to Twitter. The first question comes from Mark McGiveron, and he wanted to uh, know about securing a cabana. He, they're, they're silver level cruisers and they're cruising in June of 2017 and they were kind of wondering about that. Well, if they, book, if they booked a concierge room, they have a very good chance. They're ahead of the curve on that. Uh, however, if you're in a situation where you need to just reserve it in the summer, so that leaves it's either a cruise on the dream or fantasy. So there's a lot of concierge rooms that will get the first pick of those before platinum mem platinum cruisers will even get a shot at those. Uh, the best chance, your best chance, I think in general to get a con or to get a Castaway Key Cabana is to book a concierge room, but and. In terms of general reserving, a, trying to reserve a cabana in general, uh, midnight when your booking window opens, be on, be on Disney Cruise Line's website in your planning center and make that the number one thing you try to get at midnight and make that your priority to book. Uh, Check every day yeah. up until the couple days before your cruise because we have heard of people that have done that and been very diligent and one has opened up because someone has canceled. Um, and then, you know, putting your name in at Port Adventures if there are any cancellations while on board. I mean, things do happen. You know, someone might get sick, they change their mind, they spend too much money on merchandise and they don't want to spend the money in the cabana. So there's always a variety of things. Mark, unfortunately, you've booked a summer cruise. I think they're going to be, that's a harder time to try to get one. Um, you know, when we booked as platinum members in February, we there were cabanas open, and then when the gold window opened, there were still cabanas open. So, you know, certainly in the winter time. It definitely very. I mean, we've yeah. had for a long time we were unsuccessful even finding one available when the platinum booking window opened, which I've been pretty diligent about making getting logged in and set up as fast as possible at midnight and uh, <laughs> and they've never been available and even checking back and forth and then there are other times where there's they're just available or people you know talk to somebody on the last one other cruise where oh it was just available we booked last minute and it just happened to be available so you know depending on depending on the ship you're sailing I think the itinerary, there's a lot of things that come into play, and it's... Like a double dip, your chances may yeah. be better, you know, when you have two stops at Castaway Key. Right. It, there's, a lot, there's a lot of variables that just come into play on every cruise, and 
I, I don't know if there's necessarily a pattern. We're going to try and get through these Twitter questions as best as we can. Uh, at Dr. Rhonda Smith was asking if there are any incentives for booking an Adventures by Disney trip while on board. In the new uh, vacation planning center they have. I know, I know there are handouts that are available, but I'm not sure of any specific, like, you know, onboard booking promotions or incentives to decrease the cost or give you any extra perks or maybe some kickback on onboard credit. I'm not, I'm not sure. I'm going to have to look into that some more and try to get back to you directly on that. Obviously, if anybody's listening to this podcast and they have an answer or experience on that, please leave a comment on the website about that. But uh, we'll, we'll, we'll look into this and try to see if there's anything specific to booking an on Adventures by Disney trip while on board the ship. Uh, at Ken Serkins 7795 asked, what are our bucket list Disney cruises? Isabel, do you have one? I want to go to Hawaii. So on a Hawaiian cruise? Yes. What, now tell me, would you rather have, you know, a round trip Hawaiian cruise like they did a while ago? Where you, uh, where was it? Out of Los, was it out of Los Angeles at the time? I can't remember. Anyway, where you go, say like fourteen nights back and forth. What does that mean? Or like last year when they went from Vancouver to Hawaii and then you got off in Hawaii and like spent, you could spend time in Hawaii and fly home or you flew to Hawaii and got on the ship and then went back to Vancouver. So you'd rather, you know, fly to Hawaii or fly home from Hawaii and spend time in Hawaii mm -hmm. and then take a cruise, you know, cruise away from there or to there? Mm-hmm. Okay. That'd be nice. Get a little bit of both? Yes. All right. Emily, do you have a bucket list? I've got a few. Um, I'd like the Mediterranean cruise that has some French ports, you know, French Mediterranean, the French Riviera, those kind of places, the, um, the Greek Isles. So, you know, Mykonos, Santorini especially. Um, at some point, I would like to do a... Northern um, European capitals with the Sweden, Finland ordeal up there. Um, and then the longer cruises, such as the Panama Canal transatlantic cruise. Um, I'm not as big a fan. The Hawaii one's okay, but I'd rather go to Hawaii um, and spend some time there. I like the idea of, like Isabel said, of the ship dropping you off. So maybe take a cruise there and and then go see the different islands and, you know, come back or spend some time at Alani. There's just too much to, to see to, to take a Hawaiian cruise. So, um, you know, those those would be mine. Dad, what about you? I'd say my bucket list you know, each unique itinerary is also always intriguing and it has its has its draw. But I think if any one particular itinerary that I'd put it 
top of my bucket list right now would be a Panama Canal cruise. Either way, I just, I'd love that experience to go through the canal, just to experience that part. And, you know, I've never, I've never gone on a cruise on that route. So that would be a lot of new places. And it's a long, long cruise. Yes, and you get your relaxing sea days. So I think that would be, you know, it's, it's a pretty common itinerary, but, I mean, twice a year. But if anything, that's the one I'd want to go. That's at the top of my list, even though. I would have said Alaska, but we have that booked, so. I mean, I mean I'm always intrigued by, you know, the one-off itineraries to unique places. Oh, and Disney knows that, so they charge Obviously. accordingly. Our next question from Twitter is from at Fleming underscore Jody. Why can't Disney Cruise get the right ship in the right port of their tweets? I don't know. Trying to see if I'm paying attention. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. Lazy social media team. I, I don't know. I make a lot of mistakes myself, but that's, a that's why it's mistake. unofficial. I think they do that purpose at this point. I don't know. It's funny. It's funny because it just happened today. That's why this is... Right. It's topical. It's very <laughs> it's topical. topical. All right, Kyle, at six, bit, at six bits, Kyle. Six bits! Preferred ship location for a first-time cruiser. Front, middle, aft, higher deck versus lower deck. I love it how you immediately change front, middle, back to for, I mean, forward, midship, and aft. <laughs> Halfway through, I figured it out. Anyway, Kyle, we're aft cruisers. I, I don't know what it is. We like the the aft. We like the aft end of the ship. We've done midship once. We've got midship for this cruise coming up, just because it was the only room available. But um, you know, ship motion doesn't affect anyone in our party. So you know, we've heard that how the waves, how the ship, you know, it's, it sways one way forward and different aft. Um, you know, various people will give you various opinions on this. They tell you to book midship. I think that they tell you to book midship because that's the most expensive. <laughs> um, that's where all your, you know, if you're looking at category like 5A through E, you know, category 5A verandas are always midship. Um, I, I don't know. I, again, we, we, had, we don't have an issue with ship movement. In terms uh, of, you know, booking a specific room for a location based on motion, I... That's not something we've done. Booking a specific area on the ship for ease to get around to common places you go to. Obviously, a higher deck puts you closer to the, you know, the pools. Uh, middle, lower decks, you know, you're potentially doing a lot of, you know, climbing of the stairs or waiting it's for tough. elevators to get to and from if you're running back to your room between onboard stuff. it. I mean, us personally on the classic ships, we typically book uh, decks five and six. Isabel likes deck five. Um, close to the kids club. Because it's close to the kids club. Not that deck six being one deck up, you know, it's just one flight of stairs down. But, um, you know, that's where we're, we always are on the classic ships. Um, it's five or six aft. And then um, on the dream class ships, well, kind of varies. Um, we've typically just been on decks eight and nine. So that's, you know, again, if you're looking at specific room, 
it doesn't, it, it's not a big deal. We were on deck two once um, on the Dream. It was a cruise that was booked a few days before sailing. The proximity to Enchanted Garden is incredible. You've got breakfast and, and you know, sometimes lunch right there. You know, the atrium, the atrium, that sort of thing is right there. I mean, it depends on what you want, you know. I, we, this is just our personal preference. So for a first-time cruiser, I say you go with what you can afford. So you look at the category, you know, do you want an inside? Do you want an ocean view? Do you want a veranda or do you want concierge? And you just kind of make your decision based on price. That's what I think is, is most important. You know, it's, it's one of those subjective things too. You know, it's, and a lot of times, you know, in the first, you know, I'm a first time cruiser kind of questions show up. I'm like, well, I don't want to, necessarily tell you something and it's almost like I look at it myself I sort of want to experience kind of some things on my own first before I get you know I pull the audience on general topics but Kyle our first cruise we booked back when they still had category 12 I asked for the cheapest room on the ship Um, and that because that was part of our wedding slash honeymoon they quote-unquote Pixie Dust upgraded us to a Category 11 at that point. Um, so basically, instead of being on Deck 2 uh, on the Wonder, we were on Deck 7 in an inside room. I, I mean, I, I didn't do any resource, research, do anything, just booked it. And, you know, on a three-night cruise, you're barely in the room to sleep and change for dinner So because uh, you're trying to get things done. So that, that's, that's my advice. Kind of closing that out, I think finding where you like to be on the ship has to do with a lot of where you where you find you spend a lot of your time on the ship. You know, do you, are you on the pool deck a lot? Are you in the adult area on the pool deck? Are you, you know? True, but as a first time cruiser, you probably don't really know. Yeah, what well, you're that's what I'm be, saying. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things you kind of figure out after. You know, we've kind of decided where we like to be after so many cruises. However. It's one of those things. Everybody's got their own different schedules, what they like to do once on board. So yeah. it's kind of kind of evolves over time. At Heather W twenty five asked, which should I prioritize to book my first Disney cruise, seven night on the Fantasy, Apollo or Remy, brunch or dinner? Well. Scott's kind of looking at me, so I'll, I'll start you off here, Heather. This is your first Disney cruise. I would not book any dinners. Um, I would go ahead and um, just spend all of the dining in the main dining room so that you can catch all of the menus. You, their menus for the seven-night cruises are listed on the blog. Scott can put a link to them in the show notes. If there's something that doesn't look particularly appetizing to you and you're on the cruise, usually there is availability if you want to jump up and, and book a dinner. Um, so for a first-time cruiser, I'm going to recommend brunch, and then it's going to be t- according to your taste. Um, I like the Remy sh- Champagne Brunch. You can get it with or without the champagne. It is a kind of a you know fixed pre-meal where, you know, you're used, they give you the menu and this is what it is. You know, there's not an entree choice. So again, I'd peruse the menu, look at the pictures, see if it's something that you'd like, um, you know, and go from there. It's an awesome experience and Remy is fantastic. 
Palo Brunch is um, another fan favorite. It's inexpensive. It's 30 bucks. Um, you get the buffet style, but you can also order entrees and you can order breakfast entrees. So they have frittatas. They have, um, you know, the eggs with holiday sauce and salmon. They have pancakes with rum whipped cream, or you can get savory options um, and desserts. You know, there is a lot of variety there. So, um, you know, for a first time cruiser, I'm probably going to recommend that you book one or both brunches. And I would probably start with Palo if you've never done it before. You can always add a dinner on. Now, if we're ranking things, um, again, this is, I'm going to give you my personal preference and I'll throw it over to Scott. My favorite on board is actually Rummy Dinner. I love the experience. I never pick from the menu. I tell the server, I love seafood. I don't eat beef or pork. Bring me whatever. Um, we've done that all the times that we've been in Remy and I have never, ever been upset. It was, it's always been phenomenal. Um, and the cheese cart is awesome. So I like that. I usually get a glass of champagne and we're good to go. Uh, instead of having to choose from the wine list and that, that whole deal. My second, um, favorite would be Remy brunch. My third would be Paula brunch and my fourth would be Paula dinner. So that's personal preference. Again, first time cruiser, I would definitely go with the brunches. You know, you're on the fantasy. You've got two sea days. You've got two brunches you can book. So, um, Scott, what do you? What are your thoughts on that? It may differ from me. It's I think you brought up a very good point that you know we're talking about first time cruisers. So these last two questions, and I would say that you know my recommendation is to go to the main dining options on your first cruise. And especially on, you know, the longer seven night experience, all the menu, you know, unless you, like you said, Emily mentioned, looking at the menus, if you don't see anything like on a particular menu that you or, you know, your group might enjoy off that menu and you, you kind of say, oh, that, you know, don't really want to go to that in the first place, then, you know, fill that night with a, uh, you know, dinner at Remy or, Paolo, you know, a dinner at Remy or Paolo. But I would say go experience the main dining rooms you know, on your first cruise and then go from there, see what, make adjustments on that second cruise. It's, and then, you know, go to Remy or Palo for brunch on a given day. Uh, I kind of like, obviously, I like uh, Remy brunch and dinner. They're kind of tie for me, what I like better. I've had, we've had times where we've done both. No, we, we have done both on one cruise. We just did on the last cruise. Yeah, yeah. The dream. And, I mean, there were times where I, I mean, I've felt like I've liked the brunch better than the dinner and vice versa. It's, I mean, it's always different. It's always been unique every time we've gone. So it's never a repeat. And there's always enough change that it keeps it exciting and wanting to go back for more. I'm, Apollo Brunch would be my third choice. It's There's a lot of variety there, and it's a little more laid, laid back than the dinner. Not that dinner's stuffy or anything, and I'm just, I'm kind of on. Yeah, well, we have similar things. Yeah. For a first-time cruiser, you'd pick the brunches, mm-hmm. you know, decide what you would like, and, and you know, we obviously rank Remy over Palo, but you're, you're, you know, it may vary for you. So it all depends on service. It depends on what you like. It depends on, you know, menu laid back, all that, all that stuff definitely goes into play. So, um, 
you know, I think Heather, you can't go wrong doing either of those things. So I hope you enjoy, like I said, check out the menus, the Remy brunch menu really doesn't change, um, all that often. It's usually the same variety of, you know, something similar. Um, so yeah, I hope you enjoy it on our seven night fantasy we have coming up. I have Palo Brunch booked because that is something we get as a platinum benefit. So it's at no charge other than the gratuity and Remy, di- Remy dinner and the Remy dessert thing. So, um, you know, that just gives you an example of how we kind of prioritize. All right. Our next question comes from um, Mr. Atlan Testa, and he wants to know what DCL policies, uh, what's DCL policy on the refunds due to the Zika virus? I don't have the official company line from Disney on this. I know that our post, that when we first wrote about this and the uh, emails that were going out to cruisers, received a lot of feedback and tweets got a lot of feedback from uh, people that were unhappy after their conversation with Disney. Um, from what we gather, it's a case-by-case situation. Uh, no. It sounds like no special accommodations are being made. If, you, if you're not sailing to an area where the CDC has not listed it, isn't listed it, is uh, having Zika issues. If you're, travel, if you're traveling with someone that's pregnant or if you're pregnant to a CDC listed area, then DCL will work with you on a case-by-case basis. Otherwise, normal cancellation policies will apply. That's kind of the feedback we've gotten on the website and uh if you i remember back when this was first coming out browsing uh twitter there were a lot of people you know not so happy with disney's uh stance when they've contacted them obviously it is a case i don't i can't really speak to individual situations because i don't know you know their itinerary or what their personal situation was it just where they Pregnant, were they? I, I don't know, and I'm not going to get into that, but bottom line is, from what I gather, they're working on a case-by-case basis. If it sounds like if you're pregnant or somebody you're traveling with in your reservation is pregnant, they'll work with you and to accommodate. However, if not, you know, standard cancellation policy would apply. Uh, and I'm sure... For those that are concerned, I know, Emily, we've gotten emails for our upcoming cruises, right? Yeah, we did. So, you know, Disney's definitely continuing to notify people, probably as long as the CDC is concerned. Uh, 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 this is a good time to mention, I've never seen a mosquito on any of our cruises. So, I mean, you're not really in port late. I think we've been at Key West and Nassau late, but... Um, us personally, you know, on the lists when we first started cruising, it was to bring bug spray, but have never used it. Yeah, so. I don't recall ever being in a situation where I've been eaten up on a shore excursion anywhere, right. but I, you Not know. Even in Mexico when we were in like the yeah. thick, I mean. I, anything could change, obviously. And right. So I don't. And we can follow this up with Derek Bergen wants to know if there are any tricks for us common types to sneak into the concierge area that Len barricades himself in. So, Scott, I'll let you, I'll let you answer Derek's question here. It's a very important question. <laughs> <laughs> Offer is- bribes? Tailgate somebody in? <laughs> so, Derek, we were on a cruise with uh, Len, and we 
were both on deck five together. So I don't know if he had a separate concierge room well, that he was sneaking off to. But well, keep in mind that was on a classic ship, so you can't really go barricade yourself into uh, the concierge area. Right, right. Yeah. So on the, on the Dream Class ships, you're up on your own. I think that one of the key things to remember, Derek, is if you're on the cruise with Len, you just need to start charging things to Len's room. So that's that's what you need to do. That'll that'll help you out there. <laughs> All right, Jennifer Underhill wants to know how she's curious about the captains and how they rotate among the ships. So I know you're working on something special in regards to that. I think she's kind of I I, into I that. have been slowly adding a feature to the site to, you know associate the captains and cruise directors to sailings, especially when we post personal navigators for a specific sailing to include that information. Uh, but just like other crew members, they're on contracts, they rotate. I don't have it. The I mean, for the longest time, here's an example, Jennifer. Commodore Tom was on the Fantasy. Um, you know, he switched off last year and took the magic, you know, because he wanted to go to his home, you know, of Norway in Iceland, so he was our captain then. Um, and maybe he's doing that again this year, but for the most part, Tom, Commodore Tom was on the fantasy, and when he was off of his contract, then Captain Marco was there. So there is a small pattern. I think now there's been some jumblings, especially with uh, Captain John yeah, leaving. So, but Scott is working on something on the site, so stay tuned. This is another fun question that we're going to throw in here from Super Weenie Hut Jr. Now, he wants to know, what is more cost-effective, Scott? Is it a week eating lunch and dinner at Tiffin's with breakfast at Animal Kingdom Starbucks or a week-long Disney cruise? Does this include park admission? <laughs> Ooh. I don't know. I, 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 I'd I'm probably gonna, go on a cruise. Yeah, I'm totally going on a cruise. C cost-effective... You can hop on one of these Florida resident rate cruises or, you know, something. and You know, wait, I bet, I don't know. Animal there's Kingdom nothing. Might, Animal Kingdom might win out with the number of stars I'd earn at Starbucks. At Starbucks. I, Get some free drinks out of that eventually. My opinion, there's, I, Tiffin's twice a day, uh, that's not enough menu rotation for me. So, <laughs> I, I mean, unless I get towards the end of the week where the chef is, is starting to prepare me things because they've seen me at lunch and dinner every day and something new off the menu, then I'm going to go with the cruise. I think, Isabel, you would choose the cruise too, wouldn't you? Cha-ching-ching. Cha-ching-ching, exactly. All right, our next question comes from the Royal Caribbean blog, and he's looking for good Starbucks recommendations in the Caribbean near the port. Oh, Matt. <laughs> you know, not all of us have Starbucks availability right there on our ships. <laughs> <clears throat> Us lowly type people on these Disney cruises have to take our Starbucks vias. That's right. But uh, anyway, I, I kind of looked around. I'm, I'm, I, I routinely when we go to Cozumel, there's a the Starbucks right off the pier or the port area, right outside the mall. Like when you go through the pier, when you go out, walk up the dock, go through the little mall, go downstairs, and it's back on the main road that you see. You can pretty much see Starbucks. It's like a my Tiki Hut bar. I forget the name of what's next door. Anyway, it's right there with an easy I walking think it's distance. It's the Senior Frogs, yeah, or something. It, it was always it's always closed in the morning, so I don't know. Uh, I don't believe there's a Starbucks in Grand Cayman. 
and neither in Jamaica or in Falmouth. San Juan has one a couple blocks away from the, uh, you know, cruise pier that you'd visit on a day day stop. And Key West has a Starbucks on the corner of Front and Duval Street. Uh, I mean, this isn't the Caribbean, but you know, if you're going to NASA, there's a Starbucks with. It's a couple blocks away from the from the cruise terminal, but they do have a nice second floor kind of like sitting area, nice place to go get some coffee. And you know, if you're one of those that doesn't necessarily unplug while on vacation, this is a good place to go and buy some internet for an hour. I think it was like three bucks for an hour. It wasn't just with purchase of coffee. It's so the one thing: the internet at the Starbucks and uh, Cozumel. In NASA, you do have to pay for the service. It's not included, like stateside Starbucks. Uh, I mean, I haven't, I haven't scoured the port to find places that serve Starbucks. So it's about the best I can give you, Matt. We have one more question this week, and it's a listener voicemail question. Um, hi, Mrs. Allie. Uh, I, this is for Isabel. Um, what are some, some of the fun things to do on the Disney Wonder for kids? Bye. So, Allie, some fun things to do on the Wonder for the kids are... Definitely the Kids Club. That was my first cruise. And I don't remember much, but the slide in the Kids Club, if you're going before dry dock, is super fun. It's like a barrel slide, and it's fun. And so the Kids Club, I don't remember much, but I remember some cool things. It was I remember I had a good time. On the other ships, my one of my favorites is the tracing table because I just like to sit there. And on all the ships, there are iPads instead of computers. They replaced them. Don't know why, but... And so there's lots of activities. I think they do Gaga Ball, which is this fun ball game. There's different versions of it, but that's... That can be in the lab, but that's kind of late, and sometimes it's in the afternoon. But it's not in the morning. I've never seen it in the morning on any of the ships. What other activities are on the ship? Well, sometimes crafts. So in the bars, they have some family crafts. And you sit down. One time they're making paper airplanes. Sometimes they make coasters. They do also sorts of things. I've made a lot of them. And they let you keep them for free. And they, on the pool deck sometimes, they have movie choice. So you play a little game of movie bingo. And at the end, the winning team gets to pick a movie that they play. And that's fun. I've never won, though. And so that's really fun. And that's really it. Well, to close out this podcast, Scott would like to answer... Um, Josh, EZWDW's uh, question. So, Scott, you go ahead and, and read that question. Where's that? That's the first one. 
I assume you have not been on a seaborne cruise to Antarctica. Does that mean you will be starting a new site about it this summer? No. Thank you, Isabel. However, that would be a fun. I wouldn't mind doing one of those cruises. Yeah. They seem very cool. Ha. No. Oh, goodness. <laughs> In that case, Josh, yes. There's, there's also that cruise. What's the one where it goes north of Canada? What do they call that? The Arctic Circle Cruise? It's... I don't know. Northwest Passage Cruise? I don't know. I'm intrigued by those routes. But uh, no, I don't envision starting another website this summer about the Seaborne Cruise to Antarctica. <laughs> Although I'm not going to rule it out for the future. <laughs> I'm going to go secure domain name now. That's going to wrap it up for this week's podcast, answering listener questions. Uh, keep them coming. We'll uh, circle back to a listener questions podcast in the future. We'll take some of, your, take some of the other considerations into specific podcasts here as we move forward. Thanks for listening. Thank you, and goodbye. Thank you. You can connect with the show via the comments on our website, follow us on Twitter at the DCL blog, or on our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash Disney Cruise Line blog. Additionally, you can leave us a voicemail with your questions, comments, or feedback on the show by calling us at 321-765-3252.